Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckless AB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I'm Royal Oaks. Next time on Too Many Lawyers, we take on a couple of villains to sort out whether bad stuff is also illegal stuff. George Santos won a seat in Congress by lying to voters, but is that a crime? And Kanye West made it clear he hates Jews. In England, he'd go to jail for that. Here in America, did he commit a hate crime? Listen to Too Many Lawyers on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The John Anik and Kenny Florian Podcast. Gangsters, what's up, guys? John Anik and Kenny Florian. Oh, my God! Here are your hosts, John Anik and Kenny Florian. Oh, is it great to be back with you as usual. It is Tuesday, the 29th of May. The year is 2018. Appreciate y'all being here as usual. Episode 157 of the Anakin Florian podcast. Hope y'all had a good Memorial Day weekend. If you spent it in Palm Springs, California, <laughs> you might have even run into the legend. Oh, Kenny man. Florian. Yeah, dude. Did, finally did a little vacation. Haven't done a vacation in a long time, man. But, uh, yeah, went went with the family to Palm Springs. Man, what a cool place. First time ever being there. Really? Uh, dude, It's it was great. Very relaxing. No, and nice to see the picture on Instagram of you with the kid. I mean, th- that's the thing. that You know, the baby, the three months or however old, the baby yeah. on the chest, right? Yeah. On vacation. You know, I don't know what else you're looking for in life. It just doesn't get a whole lot better than no. that. So if you're hoping it does, I don't know what to tell you. No, not at all, man. It, it's it's something, you know, people who have kids always tell you, you'll find out when you have a kid. Yeah, you'll see. And, yeah, it's only something you can experience. But it, it, it's been amazing and uh, been a fun ride so far. And it's just the beginning, man, only three and a half months into fatherhood. So, yeah, I got you a long road ahead of me. started <laughs> and, and happy belated birthday, obviously. You, and uh, the weight-making legend, Kenny Florian. <laughs> you know, some people didn't like my tweet, Kenny. So I said, happy birthday to weight-making legend, Kenny Florian. <laughs> I hope you have a, a great day, bro. Uh, people thought I was throwing shade at Darren Till. I was trying right. to make my friend laugh. You know, like I wasn't throwing shade at Darren Till. That's one guy in particular I would not be picking a fight with. Yes. I just couldn't help the fact that Darren Till came in nearly four pounds overweight uh on ken flo's birthday i mean what are you gonna do it was right I there know. right there the wheelhouse <laughs> what do you want to do <laughs> i couldn't send him any good luck on that one unfortunately yeah so uh a lot to get to today and we'll try to do it as efficiently as possible michael bisping announced his retirement yesterday uh which was not part of the show obviously um this is a dear friend colleague of ours ken flo was at mike's wedding uh we're gonna talk to mike it maybe might be even in the next hour today but if not it'll be next week uh just to try to pay proper tribute and respect to this man and this career and just off the top for me like I'm just so inspired by what he was able to do and to do it cleanly and by and large the right way every step of the way had the privilege of being there not working necessarily when he fought Anderson Silva in London and I just can't relate to that toughness as I've said on these airwaves many times Kenny and uh futures in the hall of fame and this is really a special guy that i think any fighter european european or otherwise is going to have a hard time getting anywhere close to this type of legacy absolutely one of the pioneers of, of modern mixed martial arts a guy who came in here um with not just one skill set uh, he was good at everything he, he was a uh, ultimate fighter champ um you know representing a uh representing the UK where you just didn't have as many mixed martial arts fighters or as many um opportunities 
uh, to hone your craft over there like we did in the United States or in Brazil, for example. So sure. uh, the fact that he was able to do that and do it so well at a high level, both at 205 pounds and 185 pounds, ultimately becoming um, the UFC middleweight champion, knocking out Luke Rockhold, just a fantastic career, uh, a fighter's fighter, uh, a guy who proved his toughness time and time again. He earned it. He earned it, though. Nothing was ever handed to this guy, yeah, Michael man. Bisping. And there were times where I'm sure they could have, you know, fast-tracked him here and there. Sure. Um, he fought everybody, wanted to fight everybody. Um, and he took every opportunity for a fight like it was a fight. There was no, you know, Michael Bisping who was trying to be nice all the time. Um, right. He was. He always kept it real, always kept it 100, man. And when you talk about the opportunities to fast-track him, it's a great point and something that probably not a lot of people retrospectively are talking about today, right? This guy was a huge star in the UK and really had a global influence in terms of the UFC's growth, in terms of what he was able to do in Europe to talk the game, back it up, win big fights, do so in an entertaining way. And you're right, there were times where maybe you thought he'd get that promotional push into a title eliminator of sorts, had the Chael Sonnen fight that I certainly thought he won that could have resulted in him realizing a title fight a lot earlier than he did. But yeah. how about the fact that this guy capped this career with an undisputed UFC middleweight championship? I mean, I have to say it right at times to still believe it. And that result against Luke Rockhold, not a lot of people bet on him to do that that night. And uh, I think on days like this, it's like, man, how about everything he did? And oh, yeah, he was the undisputed champ, too. So deal with it. Most wins in UFC history as well. Most main events. Um, broke a lot of records uh, along the way. Defended that belt, by the way, against Dan Henderson, a guy who uh, had one of the most brutal knockouts against him. Most guys are like, you know what? I want to avoid that guy like the right. plague. Uh, right. I'm good. Uh, Michael Bisping was chasing that fight against Dan Henderson in that rematch for a very long time. Finally got it. Got the win against him. Was able to defend his belt there uh, against Hendo, the legend. So, um, what what an unbelievable career and true to form just to stick it to his american haters one last time he retires on memorial day right all the journalists yeah. coming out of the pocket and working memorial day no of course it was unintentional by yeah. michael bisping i say that in jest but uh you know he <laughs> really made people care on both sides yeah. and uh that resulted in him having a, a big fan base and and a lot of big fights and big moments and uh there will not be another Michael Bisping, so we, we wish him well, and broadcasting certainly gets a, a big one here. He's done a lot of work in broadcasting. Maybe he'll he'll do even more of it now, maybe even call some fights. We'll see. But uh, hopefully we'll hear from Michael Bisping later today. But a lot to discuss, Kenny, on this UFC Liverpool main event. Stephen Thompson, Darren Till, the weight miss that I referenced, the fight, the decision. Um, UFC light heavyweight Dominic Ray is going to join us on the show today. He's in Hawaii actually celebrating the recent win over Jared Cannonier. You got Flo's picks coming up as well for FS1 UFC Fight Night. That is in Utica, New York this Friday night. Jimmy Rivera, Marlon Moraes in the main event there. So we got to get rolling. Uh, might even get to some UFC 225 stuff later today. Card of the year, at least on paper for me. So uh, let's get things going here with headlines. Headlines. It's time for headlines. I have some very urgent and important breaking news headlines on the john annick and kenny florian podcast so can we quickly just acknowledge the city of liverpool off the top i mean kenny you know this market you're a longtime liverpool fc supporter it was great to see them finally get a ufc live event i know you and i wish we were in the building uh this is a crowd that really added to the atmosphere and it wasn't just in the arena it was all week long seemed like it was a special fight week for the ufc uh, well, they were in two very uh, important sporting events. One, uh, the UEFA Cup final uh, against right. Real Madrid. Uh, they were trying to get it done there. They weren't able to. Um, but Darren Till was able to lift their spirits up a little bit. And, and the environment just looked sick, man. And when oh he gosh. came out and, and the crowd and the oohs and the ahs and the singing, um, oh. what a location, man. The, the UFC has to go back there for sure. Even my daughter sitting down and actually watching a fight with me for the first time, and I guess I picked a good fight in retrospect, right, because there wasn't a, a whole lot of action, and I say that respectfully. But uh, it was a crazy scene. Our buddy Jimmy yeah. Stewart, you know, it's rare. We work so many of these shows that it's rare to get a text from a coworker. Our buddy Jimmy Stewart texted me mm -hmm. like, dude, I know you love your kids, but, like, 
you, you should have been at this oh. one. You missed this one, you know. So hopefully the UFC will be back to Liverpool. I think if any market can do do enough in terms of the fan base to get the MMA leader back there, Liverpool certainly went above and beyond. So that was great to see from afar. As for the fight, Kenny, we'll start with the fight itself. We'll circle back to the weight stuff and where Darren Till goes from here. So Till, by unanimous decision, can flow 49-46 times 2 48-47 from the third judge. I think it's hard to make an argument for Darren Till winning four rounds in this fight. I yeah. know I am in the minority because, again, with a daughter on each shoulder, I did give the fight to Darren Till 3-2. to two. I did not go back and watch it. Uh, maybe I should have before the show. Mm-hmm. Um, how did you see, see the main event, and, and ultimately, how did you score yeah, I, I scored it uh, three rounds to two for Wonder Boy, actually. Um, you could argue one of those rounds could have been scored for Wonder Boy as well. There's a few things. You know, the, the fact that Darren Till won this fight, um, I don't have a huge problem with it. There's been um, far worse decisions in MMA history. Uh, you know, what people need to understand, and Anik, you know this better than anybody, watching it from the desk, watching it octagon side is very different than watching it on television. It, to the point where I'm sure at this point you'll probably watch it more on the monitors than you do in the octagon. Am I, am I correct? Yes, 90, 90% of the time. 90% of the time. And the reason why Mr. Anik probably does that is because you get each and every angle when you're watching it on the monitor. When you're watching it octagon side, you just can't see all those angles. If, right. if, if the fighters are off in a different angle in the octagon, if they have their backs to you and they throw a strike confidently and they keep trucking forward and the fans ooh and ah, it's going to seem like they landed that strike. It's going to be impressive in your mind. We don't have the luxury of watching each and every angle. We don't have the luxury of watching the replay if you're a judge or if you're watching an octagon side without a monitor. So, you know, and listen, and at the end of the day, what are we talking about here? This was an absolute chess match on the feet. Okay? So you're looking at what was the difference? One strike, two strikes that determined a round? That's a very difficult thing to do. And both these guys, and rightfully so, gave so much respect to each other that if one was off balance, if one went forward when they shouldn't have, they were going to get knocked out. You have Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, quite possibly the best striker to ever compete inside the octagon, one of the fastest welterweights to ever compete inside the octagon, and you have a guy in Darren Dill who's essentially like a light heavyweight in there. Okay? I mean, he's huge. Yes, he He had to be a... He's huge. He made Wonder Boy look tiny, okay? He was huge. I'm talking big toe to the top of his head. He's huge. Yeah, I mean, dude, the the mitts, bro, the hands. He's a big man. So both these guys had to be very careful. And Darren Till is no slouch either when it comes to speed. Yes, Wonder Boy was the faster guy, but Till, for as big as he is, he's very fast and very dangerous. He's a potent striker, both of these guys. So they had to be very careful in their approach. Darren Till, being as big as he is, he's impressive to watch, and he's moving forward. He did a great job, even when he was getting hit, Anik, of not being faced by anything. He didn't blink. He just kept coming forward. So all those shots that Wonder Boy was throwing at him, it looked like it had little to no effect on Darren Till. So I think that played a factor in the judge's decision. People freaking out this was a robbery, this and that. It wasn't a robbery. But in my opinion, if you're scoring that fight properly, you should have Wonderboy winning 3-2 to at least. Right. And again, that's the majority opinion, and I respect it. And, you know, I didn't think it was controversial enough to wake up and watch it back. And maybe it's because largely I wasn't that entertained. And Mm -hmm. Kenny... For better or for worse, that is a part of this equation, right? Mm -hmm. For so many years and conversations, I'm always on the side of competition. Winning is what matters. I understand when these guys are chasing title fights, you have to manage risk. And given what's coming back the other way, Kenny, I respect and understand that. But, you know, I think those who are criticizing Stephen Wonderboy Thompson and suggesting that he's fighting for points, I mean, there, there are pockets to this fight, the lack of urgency on both sides down the stretch that are going to turn people off. Mm-hmm. I, I get it. I Listen, I loved the fight. I, I, I really did. I, I, I was fascinated by the fight. I was very intrigued because both these guys came in with such an interesting approach. I thought Wonderboy was going to win this fight, and I thought he was going to win by finish, as we talked about uh, last week, because Darren Till is typically very aggressive, sometimes overly aggressive. He, he comes forward a lot. But his, he had a very uh, smart approach. 
if you want to beat, if you want to beat uh, Wonder Boy, if you even want a chance of beating Wonder Boy, you gotta be patient. Tyron Woodley showed that again. Right, Not another right. exciting fight, but he's just too right. damn good as a counterfighter. You you have to be so careful against this sniper that for me, I was really fascinated in Darren Till's approach. First of all, the approach of also attacking that lead leg of Wonder Boy, I thought was brilliant. Um, how he kept fainting in. He kept using that range. He was trying to cut off the octagon. Finally was able to uh, land a shot that dropped Wonder Boy in round right. five. So both these guys were really trying to get each other to open up. Neither of them was really having it. Um, they showed a tremendous amount of respect. I, I love the fight. I can totally get why a lot of people didn't. Um, there just wasn't enough action, right? But for me, it was fascinating from a strategic standpoint of what these guys were going to go out there and do. Well, and I think maybe for me as a fan, as I was on Sunday, I need to manage my expectations when it comes to certain fighters. I think there is something stylistically about Stephen Wonderboy Thompson where my anticipation didn't necessarily dovetail mm. with the fight that was probably going to play out, you know? So, and I respect that. And Kenny, I'll be honest with you, man. Like, as much as I watch mixed martial arts, I don't know that I'm ever going to develop as deep an appreciation. I actually, I, I know for a fact I'm not ever going to develop as deep an appreciation for the technique and a lot of the intricacies that you do. So I think when I'm calling a fight, I am so invested. But when I'm sitting on my couch, you know, stoned with my daughters, I want action. I don't know what to do. No, I was not stoned. No, no, no. Not. Listen, I know. I, I, I think I, I could totally get that perspective. I, I really do. And, and um, you know, for, for me, I was surprised in Darren Till's approach of being so patient at this early in his career. To have that understanding, to have that maturity, yeah, I certainly underestimated Darren Till in that approach. I think he still had um, the right approach. I think if they had a rematch, it would be a little bit different. I think we'd probably see perhaps a more um, aggressive Darren Till uh, in the in yeah. the rematch. It takes a while to figure out a guy like Wonderboy. Even, I think, after the fight, Darren Till said, I still didn't uh, understand what right. he was doing out right. there. These guys are, are at such a high level. Uh, th that's why I, I was just fascinated with it. Again, I, I totally concede. Not not the most action in the world. Um, but I think in order for them to beat the other, they kind of really needed that approach. Yeah. And I would say, too, to the Tyron Woodley critics, I think this gives you further proof you know, here for Stephen Wonderboy Thompson fighting for all intents and purposes, a light heavyweight. And even yeah. for him, you got to be careful in there and you yeah. have to understand what type of challenge is coming back your way. I mean, for listener, listen to the way Ken Flo and Ray Longo talk about Stephen Wonderboy Thompson in these glorified terms as one of the most special strikers in UFC history. And if you're not careful, um, you're on his highlight reel like, like Jake Ellenberger and everybody else. Yeah. So uh, a lot to get to. On that fight, in terms of the stats and the scoring, Kenny, I don't know if we're going to get to all of that stuff today. Uh, and Ray Longo's on hold, so so let's get to the Ray Longo Minute. It's now time for the Ray Longo Minute. I want you to punch a hole in this fucking chest. That's what I want. The Ray Longo Minute. Starring Ray Longo. The John Anik and Kenny Florian Podcast. Well, Kenny, last week it was not the Ray Longo minute. It was like the Ray Longo health and wellness hour. I threw out <laughs> yeah. my Doritos. Well, look at him now. I mean, this guy, he's I tan. Mean, look at the, the blue eye. What are you, are you modeling now? What's going on? <laughs> uh, we, we, I took advantage of a sunny day today. Nice. Oh, so uh, where do so we we've been. Well, we, we start with your Instagram. It's at Ray Longo MMA. Hopefully you've gained some followers over the last week or so. University of Delaware graduation for your second daughter, I believe. You know, my wife went there uh, oh, in really? Newark, Delaware. But, I mean, you look like a welterweight in that suit, man. I mean, like you're, you're trying to steal the thunder from your daughters on graduation day, Ray? <laughs> yeah, I, I doubt that. But thank you very much for the compliment. Well, very, congratulations. Uh, I, I'm thinking of wearing that very suit when I induct my friend Matthew Serra into the UFC Hall of Fame. Is that okay? It yeah, looks I good. Think, right, good thank luck. you. With that slimming black T-shirt, not that you need the slimming black T-shirt anymore. Oh, man. All right. All right. <laughs> enough, all right. Enough, so, uh, enough, so enough about me. Let's all right. Let, all right. Let's get to, to Stephen Wonderboy Thompson and Darren Till. I'd imagine you watch these 25 minutes intently because WB is your guy. Your thoughts on, on the fight? The, the judges yeah. and everything else. First of all, I get, uh, one, one quick thing. I, I actually watched it on my phone because I was driving home from the graduation. 
so I didn't get the best uh, view of it. But I really thought it was an easy fight to score. Minimum three rounds to two for Wonderboy. Maybe four. But I thought, I mean, by looking at it, driving home in the car, and when they announced those scores, 49-46, I thought it was definitely him. I just didn't, it's not even, look, uh, I was listening to you guys. I'm agreeing with you. Not an exciting fight. Very tactical chess game. But I, I just think that Darren Till did nothing. It's not even what Wonderboy did. It's what Darren Till didn't do. And, you know, in the, and in the fact that he missed weight, I, I just think it's a, it's a no-win situation for him in that fight. I, 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 didn't, I, I didn't get it, you know. And I, I mean, then I looked online just to see if I was out of my mind, and, like, everybody had it for Wonderboy. So, I don't know. It is what it is. But, you know, like, again, it was a close fight. There's no question about that. But, Again, I just don't know how you give any of those first three rounds to Darren Till. I, I, I looked at one or two rounds over again. It's just weird. Just He really didn't do anything. There was a lot of posturing. Wonderboy at least caught him coming in a couple of times, I thought. But uh, I don't know. You know, I guess, uh, you know, you can't leave it to the judges as you normally can't. But, uh, you know, we'll see. You know. uh, Ray, Ray, you know, this year, fighters are 7-1. and one. That, uh, Fighters who missed weight and went on to compete are 7-1 and one in the octagon this year. Um, what what do you do in this situation as a coach? Do you encourage your guy, if if you were coaching Wonderboy here in this fight, uh, you got Darren Till, a dangerous opponent, who comes in four pounds overweight. Yeah. Do you take the fight, or, or do you do even more aggressive negotiation now? What do you well, do with your they, guy? Look, and Kenny, I think they're going to have to readdress this because, you know, at the end of the day, it's cheating. I mean, there, it, you, there's a higher percentage of wins with guys that don't make weight than there are with guys that are on PDs. They're yeah. like 50 and 50. They're like, you know, or even worse. They're not even winning, and they're literally cheating. They're called cheaters. These guys are cheaters at this point. If they're not doing – performance-enhancing drugs, they figured out another way to make it. This this guy was willing to give away his whole purse. What does that right. tell you? He was right. willing right. to give away not 20%. He wanted to give away his whole purse. You know, so they really have to, man, come up with something with it's this tricky. now because this looks like a problem. Like you say 7-1 and it was 6-0 and going into that fight. It, it's, it's, I don't, I just not right. And you know, everybody's already forgotten about he hasn't made weight. He didn't make weight. They already moved past that. It's and imagine a, a year down the line, two years down, no one's going to remember. All they're going to see is the W by his name yeah, and right. the L by Wonder Boy's name. That's the Ken, thing, Ken, you know? Kenny it's, not, Kenny, it's not two years down the line. It's two days down yeah, the line. Exactly. It's actually two days. It's already People over. forget. Yep. Right. Nobody's, nobody mentions the weight at this point. It's it's They're going to have to come up with something because it looks like you know what, man? It's worth a couple of thousand dollars here. And sure, there. I feel better. The uh, win, the win later on down the line is worth more than losing thirty percent of your purse, right? Without right. a doubt, without a doubt. So you know, well, because came up, you know, somebody came up with a good point was uh, let them take five hours, but you're making the wait. We don't even care how long it takes, but you're going to make the wait. Yeah, and that might right. not be a bad idea. Well, and then obviously that gets into a potentially dangerous territory, but I think there's some merit to it, honestly, Ray, because for, for Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, right, this goes on the ledger as a welterweight loss. And right. we, we, I don't know if you heard us talking about Darren Till's size, and perhaps you can say that's neither here nor there because he has made the weight more often than not, but right. this guy is massive, man. Like, yeah. I, I, It's not going to be easy for Darren Till to make 170 if he gets to a championship fight. Yeah, well, that's what they're going to have to worry about now, and we'll see what happens from here, you know, here, here on out. But I mean, this was a big fight for that kid, and I think it's a red flag as to what's to come in the future. And and even yeah. though we got the W, I mean, he really is acting like he did something tremendous. I mean, yeah. he really didn't do anything until the fifth round. So there's a couple of areas that I do think he's a talented guy, big, strong kid. And he's going to bring it. So I'm curious to see what happens with him in the future. But that fight, I really thought was an easy fight to score. And I would have scored that for Wonder Boy without a doubt. You know, but like, again, it was close. And I think what made it intriguing is you had a, a power puncher against a, a, a sniper who's an accurate counter puncher. And at any given point, just like yeah. in the fifth round, something could happen. Yeah. And that's what kept us in there. If we didn't have that emotion involved I, the fight i don't think would have been 
that good of a fight. But, you know, and then again, you got Wonderboy, the consummate, nice guy, professional. Yep. You know, I, I texted him after one of his interviews, like, hey, dude, you won the fight. Stop being a nice guy about it. I know you well, had to nice. think you won the fight, but he's just such a good dude that then they start saying, you know, it just gives people another avenue to go, well, even he said it was like running. Right. And even ball. during the fight, the, the fist bumping and the congratulatory oh, yeah, thing. Yeah, I hate right. that myself as a fighter, nah, but Wonderboy like is so nice. You're right. Yeah. I think that people were kind of waiting for him to, dude, it's a fight. Get out there. Win those rounds. Yeah, it was, no, I, it was tough. I think yeah. his father gave him great advice. Are you hurt? No. <laughs> then let's do something. Right. right. I, right. Thought he, I thought Ray did a great job with that. And let's let's pick it up and make a statement. But uh, again, it was a chess match. He's a dangerous guy, you know. I'm, I'm, I, I know he's got to be very strong, but I just thought Wonderboy controlled the first three rounds. He, he had to believe he was winning at that point, and I can't yeah. see the other guy. I, I don't know. It could be me. And again, I looked at it on my phone, and then I might have saw one round on TV when I got home. But uh, yeah, I thought it was, uh, but not, you know, not to the point of a robbery because there wasn't a lot going on. But right. Wonderboy should have won that fight. Yeah. If that if that I fight's agree. in Vegas, it's the complete opposite scores. I guarantee you, complete opposite scores. All right, I before mean, we let you a, go, and like, I, I know. Yeah. Sorry, Sorry man. That. No, I'll give you as much time as you want. I no, just no, want no, to get no, your no, thoughts no, no, on. No, I've, I've already I've already been accused of ranting and not letting you guys get in. So please <laughs> take the floor. No, man, I'm I'm captivated by everything out of your goddamn mouth. You know that. But I want to talk about John Vellante very quickly because. <laughs> I believe this has been back-to-back training camps for Volante where he hasn't been able to use one of his primary training partners, Chris Weidman, all that often. I know he went to Cleveland to train with Stipe Miocic before the Francie Marbahos fight, but he's got Sam Alvey this weekend. How do you manage that if you're John Volante when you lose a guy like Weidman who you've counted on for the bulk of your five-year UFC career? Uh, well, I tell you, he's, he definitely has guys over at Belmore. He's got some heavyweight boxes that he's working with. He worked with Stipe, obviously, which is always a confidence booster because, you know, if you can hang with, with that monster, you can hang with anybody. But, uh, you know, Chris will be in his corner with him. And he was coming to the gym a couple of times, and Chris put him through the paces. So uh, I think he could manage it. I don't think Albie's the type of guy where, you know, there's an urgency to get a lot of, you know, like it's going to matter. You know I mean? I right. think Sam Alvey is very good. But, uh, you know, it's not like it's a championship fight or a ranked number four guy. So I think I think he's going to be fine. He's definitely got people he could spar with at Belmore for the stand-up. And it's, I'm, I'm assuming this fight is going to be all stand-up. Yeah. Big weekend for a couple former two-division ring of combat champions. John Vellante, Julio Arce, also in action, my man. All right, we'll let you go. Free bet for you on the way out. I will give you $50 if you can tell me correctly who wins the main event. Jimmy Rivera, Marlon Marais this weekend. I'll send you 50 bucks. You get it right. Pick them, fight just according pick, to Las just, Vegas. Don't even have to pick how. Just tell me who wins because we got to go. Marlon Marais, second round. Boom. All right. Marlon Marais, round two. You get it right. $50 is yours from the Anakin Florian podcast. We love you, buddy. Ah. Sorry. We're a little log jam today. We'll talk to you in five days, okay? All right. Great seeing you guys. Thanks, Ray. Take it easy. The Ray Longo minute every week here on the Anakin Florian podcast. So to Longo's point, Kenny, we didn't even lead the show with the weight discussion. And I will just say this. My tolerance for this in high profile fights is wearing very thin. And I know Dominic Cruz and others have suggested that this is cheating. But to me, when I woke up to this news on your birthday, it's just like, are, are you got to be kidding me, man. Like, it changes the whole complexion of Fight Week, the main event, the welterweight pecking order, and then you get this result, and it just even, you know, compounds it further. So, I, I don't know. I just feel like in these fights, you sign – I mean, Kenny, <laughs> the weight-making legend, right? It's like we see these pictures of, of you at 145 pounds, and I don't know, man. I know Dude, he had a family emergency. I, I don't know. This is even worse. You, you're, you are uh, you know, upset by it. I was unfazed by it. That, that's, I'm already over yeah, it. I'm like, yeah, right. ah, here we go again. Oh, well, what yeah. the hell are you going to do? It, it, it pisses me off. Um, something needs to be done that's a little bit more uh, harsh on, on these fighters that aren't making weight. Uh, because you know yeah, they're they're taking they're taking advantage of it at this point. All right, well now joining us live from Hawaii, ten days after his most recent UFC win against Jared Cannonier, light heavyweight contender Dominic Reyes is with us. Dom, John, and Kenny here, man. Good to have you back on the show. How are you? I'm good, guys. How you guys doing? 
Well, we are doing well. Well, we appreciate you breaking away for a few minutes and interrupting your vacation. I'm not sure what your expectations were going into this fight with Jared Cannonier, but all told, it lasted less than three minutes. You've been a, a prolific finisher from day one, but how confident were you going in against Cannonier that not only could you get him out of there, but you could potentially do it pretty early? Um, I didn't really think it would be a first-round finish like that. Um, I know I have the yeah. power and the ability to finish early, but uh, it wasn't something we were looking at realistically based on his track record as far as being finished. Um, but I guess I'm a special kind of fighter. Well, and if you listened to our podcast last week, you heard a lot of that. I mean, we both think your ceiling is very high. I'm curious to see you take your shots at, at some of this division's elite right now. But to set it up for the listeners, so 3-0 and in the UFC, 9-0 and overall, good amateur background. Ken Flo likes the IBJJF experience as well. But it seems like you progressed in a, a methodical way. But I also feel like you're a guy that if you had to fight Daniel Cormier July 7th, you trained to beat that guy. Where are you right now at, at 28 years old? As far as where I'm at in my career? Well, where I mean, if you had to fight a top five guy or fight DC on July 7th because Stipe was out, how competitive is that fight right now versus how competitive it'll be when you're 31, 32 years old? Oh, I, yeah, I still got wait. I still got work to do, man. Uh, right now, uh, it'll be a competitive fight because I'm a competitor, but... I'll win that fight for sure uh, in the future. Um, I could win it now, I think, but, you know, you don't know until you get there. I, I like to rise to the occasion, and I, I push to the next limit uh, constantly in my career. So whatever the next step is for me, that's what I'm ready for. You know, Dominic, I, think I still have a ways to go. I, I think that makes a, a whole lot of sense, man. Uh, again, you know, you don't have, uh, you know, 20 fights yet. You still only have nine fights. So I really like that approach. I think that will definitely benefit you. But who do you fight now? Because Cannoneer is a highly respected fighter in that weight class. Um, what do you think is a realistic fight for you and a fight that makes sense moving forward? Man, I don't even know. I, I call that Jordan Johnson. That fight makes sense to me because it's, uh, we're both 9-0. and That would be for 10-0. and um, that, That's the fight that makes the most sense to me at the moment. But, you know... Pretty much anyone, like, top nine and up, I think I, I, I could uh, have a competitive fight with, make it fun for the fans. But yeah, I, right now, I don't, there's, there's a lot of variables at this point. Um, we won that last fight in impressive fashion. There's some logistical things we have to take care of. And, uh, yeah, I just got to enjoy the vacation first. <laughs> you know, you, and, uh, go, go ahead, John. No, I was just going to say we'll let you get back to the vacation in a minute. I just want to follow up on that because it just, it sounds like you're taking a patient approach. Uh, and I know you've had a lot of good supporters, Joe Stevenson, parental support. But it sounds like you're you're in the right mindset where other guys are sort of trying to, to race to the payday or the finish line. Flow all you can. Yeah, I mean, I got my whole – I mean, I got five, six more years left of this. I want to do it right. You know, I don't want to just come in and be flashed in the pan. I want to uh, build myself correctly and take the right fights at the right time and enjoy it, you know. Um, when you're constantly fighting, you're fighting guys that you probably shouldn't be fighting. It's a lot more stressful than it should be. You know, you have a great guy and, and a great coach who's been there and done that, and Joe Stevenson. How has he helped you in, in your career up to this point, Dominic? Oh, he's, he's been a, a great mentor for me, um, helping me avoid the pitfalls that he made in his career and uh, also – He's a good person. You know, Joe's a yeah. great guy. And having that energy around is tremendous, and as well as that experience. Dominic Reyes with us here on the Anakin Florian Podcast. So when you look at the rest of 2018, I mean, once, twice, how soon might we see you back in the octagon? I'd like to fight two more times, uh, once yeah. in December and once in between. Yeah. Uh, yeah, get, get some more finishes, excite the fans. You know, it's been a high, light heavyweight fun, man. Like anything could happen at any second. Well, and I think so what's so other divisions. I think what's so exciting is just your ability to mix it up, the frame you have for the division. I just think when people watch you fight, they can sort of hang on to you a little bit and say, you know what? When I look at this 205 pound division and some of the, you know, the older generation, if you will, some of the guys that have been entrenched in that division, I think the young blood is very exciting in what has long been uh, the UFC's glamour division. All right, well, let's go on this. So. 
We mentioned Joe Stevenson. I, I know you probably know he fought my guy, Ken Flo, back uh, in 2008. Yep. I mean, has that fight ever come up, Dom, or what? <laughs> uh, every once in a while, he'll talk about uh, things he learned from the fight when he's uh, teaching and yeah. showing us things. He's like, oh, when I fought Kenny, this, this <laughs> happened like this. So, yeah, it has well, congrats, man, on an outstanding win. You know, you've certainly got fans in us. We wish you all the best. I know you're getting on that Joe Rogan experience, too. It's only a matter of time. So thanks for the time today, and uh, we will talk to you soon, man. Enjoy the rest of your vacation. All right. Thank you, guys. Uh, have a good day. All right. Dominic Reyes there with us. So it was November 15, 2008. Kenny hates when I do this. November 15, 2008, UFC 91. This was one of the greatest nights of my life, right? <laughs> I'm, I'm telling you it was, right? It was one of the first shows we did. It was MMA Live at UFC right. 91, and our man Ken Flo was fighting in the co-main event with a five-fight winning streak in tow. Basically, if he beats Joe Stevenson, he's getting a, a championship fight, which later materialized against BJ Penn, and we didn't have to wait for a second round on this Lesnar Couture card, right? Ken Flo wanted to get us right to Brock Lesnar and Randy Couture about four minutes in. Joe Stevenson, rear naked choke. We're partying in a towel. Asian women, no tops. One of the greatest nights of my life. Sorry. It was. <laughs> oh, man, you're killing me, dude. What do you got, though? It's no, all I remember true, seeing though. It is all it's true. A, I mean, yeah. it's a great night, right? Like, when you look back, when you look back on your career, you had a lot of big wins. I think the totality uh, of that night and that win and what it meant, I mean, that, that's got to be one or two, right? Wasn't that one of the greatest wins it was of your fun. career? It was real fun, yeah. All right, he's not going to start ranking his wins uh, <laughs> right now. So in terms of Darren Till, yeah. his next fight is not going to be for the UFC welterweight championship. We have an interim championship fight happening 12 days from now in Chicago. You also have Tyron Woodley as the current champion who will likely fight the winner of that fight. So a little bit of a logjam there to begin with, but... This is going to be viewed as a welterweight win, even though he missed weight. And for Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, this is going to be something that he has to build his way back from. And I know you sort of made that underlying point with Ray Longo. So for Darren Till, Dana says his next fight's probably going to be in Las Vegas. I mean, what do you think is next for, for the gorilla Darren well, you know, I'd like to see him against another grappler. I think a fight like a Kamaru Usman makes a whole lot of sense. Uh, if you yeah. want to put him in there against a, a well-rounded guy like a Santiago Ponzinibbio, there's Gunnar Nelson out there if you want him uh, to match up against another good grappler in that division. Um, I think those are all fights that make a whole lot of sense. I know he was going back and forth with Gunny that they were going to fight. Same with Kamaru Usman. Um, there's Masvidal, I, I believe, who is looking for a fight still. Yeah. Uh, so all those fights make a heck of a lot of sense. And, yeah, it's unfortunate that, you know, um, that headline uh, of not making weight uh, by four pounds is going to get buried over time. You know, with each right. week that passes, people just mm -hmm. forget about it. And, and, again, all we see is the W. You don't really see uh, all the things that happen around that fight um, as right. you get further away from that event. So uh, it's unfortunate uh, is Darren Till still a great fighter? Was I impressed? Absolutely. Um, it, it was just unfortunate the way that it went down. But um, I think we have a much smarter Darren Till than we originally uh, knew. Um, and I think he has a, a lot of potential, man, as far as being a huge superstar in this sport. Yeah, I think he's got superstar qualities, no doubt about it. And, and maybe middleweight is the division for him. I felt like I was looking at a 185-pound fighter, but we'll see if he makes some changes yep. for his next fight, which will be a big one. But speaking of big ones, now joining us, the former UFC middleweight champion, one of the greatest to ever do it. The news broke on his podcast, Believe You Me, Michael Bisping officially announcing his retirement. And the great Michael Bisping now joins us. And, Mike, we are so thrilled to have you for even just five minutes today. But, dude, the outpouring of love from the MMA community after you announced this news on your podcast has been a sight to behold. And I'm not sure 10 years ago you thought that it would go this way when you retired. We just wanted to say off the top you, you deserve every goddamn tweet sent your way, and we're very happy that it went down like this. Hey, what's up, guys? Um, first of all, yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, it's kind of crazy. Um, yeah, the, the messages, the support, it's just been insane. It really has. And I'm just truly, honestly blown away by everything. Um, yeah, it's weird, you know. I, I retire and then finally you get all this, uh, all, all this love and positivity. And I'm just, I'm really touched. I'm really blown away. It's incredible. Um, lost for words, we, we, which isn't often. 
that you'll hear me say that as I'm sure you know. But yeah, definitely lost for words. And um, I want to take this opportunity to thank everybody. My wife, first and foremost. She was always in my corner, always believed in me right from day one. If it wasn't for her, I, we wouldn't be having this conversation right now. And that's a fact. My parents, my dad, my dad always supported me above everything. Drove me all over the country as a child. Been to every single one of my professional fights. My dad, uh, you know, everyone in the UK, all my friends. And of course, I've got to give a special mention to my coaches, Jason Perillo, Brady Fink, Darren Morris. And there's a few other people over the years as well. They, they know who they are. Um, but yeah, since I said it yesterday on my podcast, I am I am blown away. I'm, I'm, I'm touched. It's, yeah, I'm lost for words. And thank you. Thank you to everybody that, uh, you know, said the nice comments. Well, it's hard to follow your career and not have respect for you, man. You've done some amazing things, things in and out of the octagon. I know you've been thinking about this decision for a very long time. I know it wasn't an easy thing for you. Do you have a plan moving forward of what you're going to be doing? Uh, is coaching in your future? I know you, you, you really enjoy doing acting. Um, what, what are the plans for Michael Bisping? Yeah, to be honest, um, I'm very, very busy. Uh, can you see me okay? Yeah, perfect. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, then you can see how shitty that looks. Uh, <laughs> you know, the, 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 the eyeball was definitely one of the reasons why I retired. So, and now I'm retired, I can get this fixed and hopefully not walk around looking like a fucking cyclops. <laughs> um, that's the reality of the situation. Um, yeah, tons of things going on outside of the uh, Octagon that I'm very excited about. I'm involved with a company called Playline. I'm out here in Connecticut right now. Uh, attending some big meetings. Um, I'm involved with a company called Timmy Coin. I've got UFC gyms. Uh, and of course, I do a lot of acting as well. The acting is uh, where I'm putting a lot of my energy. Got a couple of big movies coming out next year. Got a movie coming out soon called Triple Threat. So, you know, I'm doing well in that side of things. Fighting has been an amazing platform for me. I am a fighter at heart. That's what I do. That's what I love to do. That's who I am. That's my identity. Uh, and I still, still, you know, just saying it makes me sad, you know. Dana just called me before and he said, is this true, what I'm hearing? And I was like, I almost wanted to go back on it, you know, and, <laughs> and try to dig, dig myself out of that tunnel, you know what I mean? Right. I'm like, uh, well, I don't know, maybe, maybe. I, I, I'll miss it. I truly will. I have achieved much more than I ever possibly dreamed of through mixed martial arts. I've made some amazing friends, some incredible friendships. Uh, I've changed as a person. I've grown as a person. I fought all over the world. I've given my family a good life, which is why I did this. Uh, I left school at 16 with not a lot of options, you know, and this has provided me with a platform to really make something of myself and reach my fullest ability. Um, you know, I'm here now. I'm involved with these different businesses. That would have never happened. People yeah, wouldn't yeah. have given me a shot. You know, I've been able to open doors. Uh, so I'm, I'm grateful for everything. Thankful to the UFC. Thankful for the friendships I've formed. And, uh, yeah, that's about it, I guess. You know, it, it's, it's very, very sad. Seeing all these messages coming on Twitter and things like that. Yeah, it was really sad. It was really sad. I was sat at the bar yesterday just having a quiet beer by myself and I could have almost shed a tear, honestly. So, uh, yeah. And who knows, maybe there'll be a tear or two along the way yet. But um, it's still very raw, so to speak. But, uh, yeah, it's sad. It's sad. You've just made such a profound impact. My twin brother couldn't give a rip about mixed martial arts and called me right away. I mean, you really have just had such an influence, I think, on a lot of, of UFC fans and American UFC fans, too. A lot of whom may be not unlike you hating me early, right? They didn't like you and they really grew to love you and respect you because you did it cleanly and... I just think that the outpouring of respect is something that, that you deserved. And as I sort of said off the top, there was a time, Mike, where maybe it wasn't going to play out this way. And the fact that you capped this whole thing with the, with the UFC championship is, is just incredible, man. It really is. Well, thank you very much, guys. Um, you know, I, 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 you know, listen, you, you know me. I'm not the deepest, most profound person. But <laughs> I guess, um, you know, I'm living proof that anybody with a dream that's willing to put the hard work in can achieve what they want to. 
you know i mean i, I want my i tell my children this all the time and any young kids listening, any aspiring martial artists, any aspiring aspiring artists, actors, businessmen, whatever it is, if you've got a dream, you've got a vision, and you're willing to put the hard work in and make the sacrifices, you can do anything you want to in this life. Jesus Christ, and I am living proof of that. Everybody wrote me off. Everyone said I couldn't do it. Everyone said I wasn't good enough. I started doing this when MMA in England, people hadn't even heard of it, yep. you know, but I had a dream, I had a vision. And, you know, I made the most of it. So, listen, if I can do it, anyone can do it in their chosen field. So, you know, dream bigger, ladies and gentlemen. That's what I did. I always had my goals, my eyes set on this target, and I achieved it. So, yeah. You, 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 had, you had the opportunity to sit next to me on the desk. I mean, that's, Hey, listen, that that's is the, the highlight of, of, the... of, of my life, of my career, <laughs> Kenny. Sitting, talking to you and just, you know, getting fashion tips, hearing, you know, just, just, just. Soaking in the greatness. It's amazing. <laughs> At the time, and that other stuff you did, I guess UFC champ, yeah. whatever, ultimate fighter champ. That, those are cool, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah not bad, not bad. <laughs> well, uh, total inspiration, man. I know Hollywood is calling, but as I've said to you privately, I hope to see you to my right calling fights at some point in time. Man, I'd put you up against any TV analyst we have, and you know that. Uh, we look forward to your UFC Hall of Fame induction. Whenever that goes down, Michael Bisping, congratulations to you, to the family, uh, and hopefully you guys can take some time to, to enjoy this decision because you deserve it. Thanks, guys. I really appreciate it. Uh, keep up the good work on the podcast. And once again, just want to say, uh, you know, thank you to everyone that supported me along the way, everyone in the UK and around the world that supported me. If it wasn't for that support, you know, again, I wouldn't have achieved, achieved half of what I have done. So thank you to everybody. It's bittersweet. Thanks for all the kind messages, and thanks to my wife, children. Love you all. And, yeah, it's a sad day for me, but uh, it's a necessary day. It's well-deserved, man. Congratulations, and uh, safe travels out there. Hope to see you soon, dude. Cheers, guys. Keep it up. All the best. Thank you, buddy. All right, there he is, Michael Bisping, future UFC Hall of Famer, with us here on the Anakin Florian Podcast. And at one point, we're going to trot out the audio, too, of him telling me, Kenny, on his podcast how much he hated me and that he wanted to fight me uh, 10 years ago. No, I'm serious. <laughs> I don't know. I'm telling you. No, we talked about it on this show in the past. But yeah. when he had me on his podcast, he said, full disclosure, I wanted to fight you. I told my wife I was going to fight you if I saw you in person. So <clears throat> I'll get with Ben Wasork. We'll trot out that audio. It's awesome. During one of these slower weeks going forward. Um, <clears throat> but we were talking about Darren Till, big picture, Kenny. Mm -hmm. And this whole sort of weight missing epidemic and everything that has happened with these high profile fights during fight week. Um, is there any conclusion to be drawn as to why it seems, and I don't even know if there's data to back it up, that it seems to me like it's happening in the, in the main events and the co-main events and the high profile fights that everybody's paying attention to. It's tough to say, man. Honestly, you know, there really is no excuse. Do the guys in the main event have more media obligations and things to do, uh, you know, above and beyond just kind of showing up on fight night? Yes, absolutely. They have to do a little bit more than everybody else. Um, but still, there is no plausible excuse for missing weight like this. You are a professional fighter. It's been determined what weight class you're in, probably years ago, you signed the contract to fight on 170 pounds, what the hell is going on? I, I think that um, the UFC needs to get together and figure this out and, and figure out something where they have some kind of punishment that's a little bit more harsh than what they're doing right now. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's tough because we want to see these fights. Realistically, what you do is you go, you know what, the fight is over. You, you're not going to fight, period. You're not going to get paid for what you did. You just did. You, you worked your ass off for this camp. The fight's not happening. The problem is everyone's upset about that, right? We want right. to see these fights. But well, how right. do we move forward and see these fights and have the appropriate punishment at the same time? Do we right. have a fight where it's an automatic no contest? I don't know if that's the answer either. I, I just don't know. What, what, how to really go about this? It's going to take a little bit of you know putting your heads, putting several heads together, and coming up with a a, a good solution for everybody. 
Well, and it seems like there are a lot of people out there that feel like they're all knowing when something like this happens, right? They say, oh, it's only three pounds. What's the big deal? And then the other side of it is that it's cheating. So I'm not going to sit here and and try to quantify what type of advantage this was or wasn't for Darren Till. He still had to reweigh at 188 pounds. All I'm telling you as a non-fighter, is that he looked fucking huge compared to the guy who was fighting. Okay? Uh, he so. looked massive. He looked massive. And you know what else didn't help? The fact that Darren Till was out there and he, and he told someone that he had like 40 pounds plus to lose. Something ridiculous. Right. Recently, right. an interview, what are you doing? What, 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 what is going on? If that is truly the case, um, what the hell are you doing in the offseason? You're a 170-pounder. Right. Anyways. Right. So real quick, Kenny, as far as the scoring is concerned, I think the the big issue is the four to one for Darren Till from two judges, right? And you sort of mentioned the judges and the influence of the crowd and the atmosphere. And I'm trying not to like belabor the hell out of this, right? But would it be so hard to have the judges with faultless monitors with noise canceling headphones like in a back room somewhere? I mean, they should not be privy. I don't know why they need sound. Tell me why they need sound. We've been talking about this forever, man. We've been talking about this forever. They, they need to be isolated. They need some kind of, like, booth that they're in. You can keep the same location. Get a monitor. You know, uh, take the sound away. A- absolutely. Because those are all things that are going to influence uh, the judges. And, and maybe giving them all the angles. You know, then, then it gets tricky. Well, what angle should they have out there while they're watching? But regardless, I think taking the sound away... Um, you know, and I really think the the monitor will help. Watching it on television, yeah. as we've talked about, uh, just gives you a completely different perspective. And of course, the number one reason why we watch the monitors is because we're trying to articulate what is happening to the viewers that are getting as that watch, angle right. at that time. So, I mean, and I've talked to Joe, and you and I talked about this. You have the greatest seat in the house, and yet you're watching a little monitor in front of you, right? Like, I'll tell you, the only time I really cheat it is when it's the heavyweights because when Francis Ngannou, you know, is fighting Alistair Overeem in Detroit, Michigan, and I'm sitting that close, you know what? Yeah. Like, I don't know how long I'm going to do this. I hope for a long time, but might be the last time I get to see this. I think I yeah. need to watch Francis Ngannou. And see, see the knockout in real time. Yeah. So I also prepared all the significant strike stuff for today, but we're not going to have time to get into all of that. But we will get into all of that over the next few weeks, just in terms of what qualifies as a uh, a significant strike oh, some stuff on unofficial well i know and I, I know you're so glad we're not doing it today but <laughs> just in terms of like the unofficial stats i just like the fight metric guys have told like an unofficial stat they're trying to get it right 80 to 85 percent of the time and judges judge stats measure is sort of the thesis statement so there's a greater conversation about people getting real bogged down with stats I don't even offer a stat on the broadcast without saying that it's unofficial, okay? But we can't get uh, into all of that today. We're just going to have to do it uh, next week because it is time to transition to UFC Fight Night. Rivera versus Marais. Let's get to the main event challenge. It's the main event challenge. The time is most definitely now. Florian. I finished fights! I'm going to do everything possible to win. The main event challenge. The John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast. All right, main event challenge time at UFC Utica. Our guest picker today, Kenny, is Wade Roberts. He sounds like a keeper. Uh, here's what he wrote in his email, Ken Flo, Podcast at gmail.com. I'll Venmo you and Kenny $20 each to jump the queue. I have a great feeling about the Nunes versus Pennington car, so we didn't get him for that pay-per-view, but he says, I know a Boston College graduate is willing to accept some cash under the table. So, <laughs> Yes, but it was supposed to be $200. We'll talk later. That's right. Yeah. yeah. I don't even think, I don't know, Kenny doesn't know what to do with $20 bills necessarily, Wade Roberts, but uh, <laughs> Wade did not jump the queue, and he joins us today. Um, good to have you with us, man. Uh, it looks like 319. Is that the great state of Iowa? That is. I actually live in uh, Arizona, but I've had the same phone number. All right. Well, we appreciate the time and your listenership, of course. As for the standings, another big week for Team Anna Caplow in Liverpool. The United States Navy's Jonathan Salgado got some picks in before his next deployment. He beat the flow 6-3. You want to know why? And maybe i got to adjust this scoring a little bit, but he got four points on Darren Tilla's underdog because he picked him to win by decision. So he gets the two for the dog, the round, the method. And it's a 6-3 week. The overall lead, 64-48. Biggest lead in main event challenge history. But it is not yet ah. June 1st. It is not yet June 1. June 1 is this Friday. 
And that is when you can see the fights we're going to talk about now on FS1. Light heavyweight, smiling Sam Alvey, the minus 140 favorite. John Vellante coming back at plus 110. Wade, Alvey, or Vellante for you? The floor is yours. Uh, I'm going to go with Vellante. The thing I know for sure on this fight is that it's going to end in a knockout. Uh, so it's pretty up in the air on which one of those guys was going to win. Uh, but as far as uh, athleticism, I think Vellante has the edge. And I really like his team, so I'm going to go John Vellante, uh, second-round knockout. All right, John Vellante by second-round knockout for Wade Kenflo, 44th pro fight for Sam Alvey. Coming off that big win over Marcin Practio, that was his return to 205 pounds. He says that he weighs less fighting at 205 on fight night, Kenny, than when he fought at 185 pounds because that's the type of shape he's in now and, and just leaner overall better. Question is for you, Flo, Alvey or... John Vellante this weekend. You know what? First of all, I, I need points. And, and for me, Vellante uh, is a little bit more reckless than Alvi. Vellante makes me so nervous. When, he's exciting to watch. But, yeah. man, uh, defensively, uh, you know, he, he really has to be careful. Alvi hits extremely hard. Uh, Vellante does as well. I just think defensively, Vellante has a little bit more holes. Uh, and and Alvi just has that surprising uh, shot that comes out of nowhere. I think he's going to be able to land it. And Alvy does have the much better UFC record, if you care. Nine and five in the UFC. And he's only been finished twice in 44 pro fights. Derek Brunson got Alvy in the UFC and then a submission loss back in 2010. So uh, Sam Alvy, hard guy to put away. We'll yeah. see if Vellante can do it this weekend. All right, welterweight guys. Jake Ellenberger, minus 170, the favorite. The plus 140 dog, Ben Saunders. 20th UFC fight for Ellenberger. Last win, though, against Matt Brown. That was back in July of 2016. And Wade here, Ellenberger, ending a year-plus layoff against the fellow veteran Saunders. Who takes this one for you, Wade? Yeah, so uh, like you said, I I did a little bit of research and saw that Ellenberger has dropped seven of his last nine. Uh, It's two legends going at it, uh, striker versus grappler. And uh, I think think that Saunders is going to keep this one standing. I think Saunders uh, gets the TKO in the third round. Saunders by TKO. So Wade's barking with dogs here early. Kenny, you like Saunders or Ellenberger? Uh, this is a tough one for me. Um, you know, Saunders is huge for the division. Um, Ellenberger, it's going to be tough for him to get on the inside. If he's able to get on the inside, uh, I can see him landing a big shot and getting a knockout. Um, I just think Saunders is going to be able to, to get this one to the mat or to get to the clinch safely where he can use those knees. I think Saunders uh, gets it done. All right, co-main event, Gregor Gillespie, prohibitive favorite here, minus 500. Vince Pichel told me yesterday he is going to bet thousands on himself because he is plus 375. So 1000 bucks for Vince on himself will return 3750 bucks plus his initial 1000 so the injury history for Vince Pichel certainly well documented, I think, at this point. This, though, his third fight inside a year, I think that's encouraging. But a huge test here in Gregor Gillespie, Wade. Who do you like in the co-main? Uh, well, I think uh, Pichel is probably going to lose a lot of money if he does end up betting on himself. Because uh, I don't think Gillespie uh, is going to lose, I mean, to anybody outside of the top ten. Uh, you know, his wrestling is just top tier, so... Um, I'm going to take Gillespie. I think he's going to dominate for three rounds, and uh, I'm going to take him by decision. Kenny, when we talk about guys to challenge Khabib Nurmagomedov and, and dark horses in this lightweight division, you know oftentimes I'd land on Gregor Gillespie. He is 11-0. He has been very dominant in the UFC. Uh, and, and as such, you know, Vegas has installed him as a big favorite here. Ultimately, your thoughts on Gillespie, big picture, and how you see him going against Vince Pichel on Friday night? Uh, Gillespie makes mistakes. Uh, He he does make mistakes because he's so aggressive, um, but it's also what makes him uh, so tough to beat. Uh, This guy, he's not as big as Habib Nurmagomedov, but um, the pace that he keeps is very similar. This guy is nonstop. Uh, When he's on his game, he he really is uh, like a hot knife through butter. Um, Vince Pichel, I, I think... He might be able to get the upset here. I'm a huge Pichel fan. I think he's a great dude, a tough fighter who might be able to get the upset win. I just think for Gregor, I think he's going to play it safe here. I think he's going to use his wrestling, get on top, um, and from there look for an arm tri- you know, look for that uh, arm triangle uh, on the ground or, or look to beat him up with ground and pound. Um, if Pichel doesn't get it done early, I, I 
I think it's going to be tough for him to, to get a finish over Gregor. Uh, I got to go with Gillespie here. Yeah, Gillespie's an interesting guy too, really avid fisherman. I think he might be a better fisherman than he even is a fighter. And it's always interesting for me. I talked to all of these guys on, on Memorial Day Monday getting ready for fight week this weekend. And you talk to a guy like Bilal Muhammad who is training through Ramadan right now and wants to fight six times a year. And Gillespie is 11-0 and on the brink of the rankings. And, you know, he's like, oh, you know, after this fight, he wants to go on a couple fishing trips. And I respect that a lot and the balance that he has struck. But some of these guys are just so obsessed on that belt and fighting as often as like Balamaha wants to fight six times this year. I mean, so different strokes for different folks. But when Gillespie is on, Kenny, as you put it, uh, certainly a knife through butter. All right. Main event title eliminator, I guess, of sorts. 135 pounds. Jimmy Rivera with that 20 fight winning streak in tow taking on the fellow 135-pound contender, Marlon Marais. So there's some heat here between these two. That's something that we like, I think, going in. Vegas having a hard time picking a favorite, as we mentioned. Minus 115 on both sides. That is at least how we sit here Tuesday night, Wade. So who are you going with in the main event, Jimmy Rivera or Marlon Marais? Yeah, I'm really surprised that this is a pick em. Um I know that when it opened up, uh, Marais was the favorite. I mean, excuse me, uh, Rivera was the favorite. Um, I, I see Jimmy Rivera winning this one. Uh, I think he's in that same top tier with the Dillshaws and the Cruises and um, the Garbrandts, and I think he's just going to outpoint him. Uh, he's not really a huge finisher, so I'm thinking that Jimmy Rivera pulls this one off, uh, goes and, and wins a decision, and then gets his title shot. All right, Jimmy Rivera by decision for Wade. Kenny, Rivera, Marais, Hulipi. I'm going to go with Marlon Marais. Um, I, I think he gets a knockout around round three. Uh, I think he's just a little bit more dynamic than Rivera. I could absolutely see Rivera getting a decision win. I think his wrestling, um, that aspect is something that where he's definitely going to have the advantage over Marais. Um, I think he's also, he knows how to get in and get out and, and be safe. But um, I think Marais has a tendency of, of drawing you out, of fainting a lot, uh, and being able to counter and take advantage of those feints. I think Marais uh, will get it done here. And they paid Marlon Marais. He was one of the more heralded free agent signings for the UFC over the last several years. Came on in 2017. They threw him right to the Wolves. Lost that split decision to Rafael Sunsau, but got the better of John Dodson on points. And then, of course, the knockout recently against Aljamain Sterling. Setting him up for a big main event here against Jimmy Rivera. You can see it Friday night on FS1. All right, very quickly here, Wade, because Ken Flo needs points. We're doing quick picks, fellas. <laughs> I know you got places to be. Uh, quickly here, guys, on the main card at heavyweight Walt Harris, minus 340. Daniel Spitz coming off his first UFC win over Anthony Hamilton. Coming back at plus 260, Wade. Who do you like at heavyweight, Harris or Spitz? Uh, I like Walt Harris in that one. Walt Harris, of course, Harris's last fight, Kenny. You remember that controversial head kick at the end of it. He's on a DQ loss because of it to Mark Godbeer. You think Harris rallies here and gets a W? Uh, yeah, I think Harris gets it done. I like this matchup for him. All right, main car matchup next in the featherweight division. Tiger Shulman product, Julio Arce. He's won six in a row. Favored here against Daniel Tamer. Tamer plus 140. Julio Arce minus 170. Wade, who do you like? Um, I'm taking Julio Arce in that one. Arce hmm. for Wade. Kenny, Arce versus Daniel Tamer. Arce, Arce as well. Arce for the flow. Daniel Tamer's brother, David, also on the fight card against Nick Lentz. Uh, finally, big fight for the flyweight women flow. Number two versus number three in the world, Sajara Eubanks. Minus 155 for her UFC debut. Lauren Murphy, slight dog at plus 125. Wade Roberts, who will it be? Uh, I'm taking Sajara Eubanks. I think that uh, she should be the champion right now. Uh, she'd probably still lose to Valentina, but uh, I'm taking Sajara on this one. Yep. Eubanks for Wade. Kenny, you going the same way or what? Yeah, I think Eubanks just has a little bit too much nasty for, for Lauren Murphy. Uh, yeah. All right, good stuff. Six picks from the flow and Wade Roberts. Wade, thank you for listening, buddy. Thank you for the time. Yep, thanks for having me. All right. Utica, Friday night. Quick turn for the UFC. Sunday night show, Friday night show. Before we go, Ken Flo, mm. the city that God forgot. Utica, New York. That's, that's one of the nicknames, the city that God forgot. Why and is that? I got to do some research, but I will open the broadcast on FS1. Well, no, I mean, I don't the know. The city that, I don't that know how, God forgot. But I think Th that's that bad, what, right? What I can glean, though, is that 
it's sort of affectionate to the people at this point in time, so they don't feel like they were abandoned by God necessarily. But the plan as of now is to open the broadcast on FS1 by saying something to we are in daily, you know, we are in the city that, that God, God forgot. forgot tonight. Man, we'll Oof. see. Um, all right, so may Rocky BJJ probably happy to have one of the head instructors back after the Palm Springs vacation. Jason Hunt not invited to Palm Springs. What's going on at May Rocky BJJ? He was on another trip. He was on another oh, trip. So I you're am both leaving. Yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Would have been a good week to rob the place. I know. I'm telling you. Um, I, like I <laughs> don't rob a jiu-jitsu place. You're in trouble. <laughs> yeah. There's no money there what anyway. There's no money there anyway, and you, you might get your arm broke. But yeah. uh, no, no. I I am going there right now after this. Um, wow. It's we got the world championships for the IBJJF. So a very important week. We'll have a lot of visitors in there. Uh, I got the nogi class that I'm teaching um, in about. 45 minutes and uh, we'll let you go (laughs) yeah man thank you very much dude good to be back good stuff this week janko great get with michael bisping today thank you to our other guests as well dominic reyes ray longo friday night fs1 ufc fight night rivera versus marais and then we'll be back with a fresh episode for you of the anakin florin podcast about five five days later and we will look ahead to the monster that is ufc 225 whitaker versus romero to chicago illinois 12 days from right now with that for that handsome man with the beard, Kenny Florian. I'm John Anik. Until next week, enjoy the fights. Yo, later. The John Anik and Kenny Florian Podcast. Sports betting is sweeping across the country faster than the coronavirus, and wagering week is your antidote. I'm Tom Martin, and I'm a veteran sports analyst and respected sports handicapper who helped build ESPN's brand. I've been recognized and awarded by Pro Football Weekly and Gaming Today magazine as the honest handicapper. Let the other guys give you the same old boring sports talk with the same tired storylines. We'll give it to you straight here every Friday on Wagering Week. Don't gamble with other podcasts. Let Sports Garden Network's Wagering Week help your bottom line. Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckless AB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly.